0: So, uh, I was uh, in the house this week, and Beth came up to me and she said, You've got to listen to this devotion and that was in my God's Little Devotional book for women. And uh, it just happened to be a week where she read this. Mary Smith went to church one Sunday morning and winced when she heard the organist miss a note during the processional. She noted a teenager talking while everyone was supposed to be in prayer. She also couldn't help but notice that several blooms in the altar bouquets were wilted. She felt the usher was scrutinizing what every person was putting in the offering plate, which made her angry. She counted at least five grammatical errors made by the preacher in the sermon. As she left the church to the side door after the closing hymn, she thought, what a careless group of people. Amy Jones went to church one Sunday morning and was thrilled at the arrangement she heard of A Mighty Fortress. Her heart was touched at hearing a teenager read the morning scripture lesson. She was encouraged to see the church take up an offering to help hungry children in Nigeria. The preacher's sermon answered a question that had bothered her for some time. She felt radiant joy from the choir members during the recessional. She left the church thinking, what a wonderful place to worship God. Mary and Amy went to the same church on the same Sunday morning. You know, we have opinions and attitudes. I think the biggest problem in the church is figuring out how to square up, how to decide, and, and to live together with our differences. It's absolutely vital for us to understand that in our areas of opinion, in our areas of attitude, we have to give those to God. You know, the, one of the Beatitudes says, Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called the sons of God. I think you can understand it, the sons and daughters of God. It's not gender specific. That is God's idea for the church is for us to bring our differences, our different backgrounds, our different opinions, our different beliefs and and come together. That diversity betters us. Now I want you to hear clearly what I'm saying today. If you were here last week, you remember I said this. We need to distinguish between primary and secondary issues. The things we're talking about here in worship, how people speak and how they play the instruments and those kind of things, they're all secondary. Scripture doesn't clearly address how the preacher is to give the message or what kind of instrument to use or it has to be used with so few errors or any of that kind of stuff. It doesn't talk about any of that. Those are secondary, but primary who Jesus is. If you tell me Jesus wasn't God, he was just a a great man, we've got a problem. We disagree in a way that has to be reconciled. You have to to tell me what from Scripture leads you to your belief, and I will tell you what from Scripture leads me to my belief. We have to agree in the church on those essentials. But most of the areas we disagree on, most of the areas that need mediation, uh, resolving that conflict, bringing us together in harmony, bringing us together as brothers and sisters. Most of the areas of disagreement are about, uh, well, the first are in secondary issues, and they're about attitude and opinion. We think, because we think this, that everybody else should agree with us. And God wants us to have, as we continue our study in Romans, I think he wants to have for us uh, principles that can help us in peacemaking, principles that can help us in mediation as we mediate in the church as we mediate in our families as we mediate at our workplace as we mediate in the neighborhood these same principles apply so let's look at them together today let's figure out how we can be better peacemakers in the kingdom of god how we can be better peacemakers in our families in all of our different uh, relationships that we have the first principle i see in this passage is the principle of liberty now it's kind of mind-blowing really Reading verse fourteen i'm convinced being fully persuaded in the lord jesus that nothing is unclean in itself who's writing that the apostle paul the apostle paul was trained to be a pharisee the pharisees knew everything about the old testament particularly the law they knew all of the dietary restrictions in leviticus and numbers They knew there are so many rules that God laid down about things that were clean and things that were unclean. For example, the Old Testament said that pork was unclean. That meant no bacon, no ham. I'm glad I'm a New Testament person. But Paul is writing. Now, trained in all of those Old Testament laws. Paul is writing, I'm convinced. In other words, I'm not waffling. I don't just think maybe, I am convinced, being fully persuaded the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself, lest you think he just misspoke or miswrote. Verse 20 says this, all food is clean, but is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. No exception, all food is clean. That means pork, that means shellfish. Uh, That means all the different things that were said to be unclean in the Old Testament. Christians have the freedom, Christians have the liberty to eat. It shows a significant movement uh, from the Old Testament to the coming of Jesus as the embodiment of God, as the incarnation of God in the flesh. It shows a significant move from being a people who live by a systematic set of rules and regulations to instead people who have a relationship to God, the Creator, through faith. People that have a relationship to God through having a a relationship with Him. Listen, it's significant for us to understand that the law was fulfilled by faith. And all of us are saved not by the things that we do or don't do, we're saved by our faith such a big change and and so Paul's writing this, he's saying you need to understand for Christians there's a lot of liberty, there's a lot of freedom in what we can do. We we don't have to uh, find our acceptance in God by keeping all these rules all of the time. In fact it's impossible to keep all those rules all the time. You instead are brought into relationship your approval with God is based on on your love for him, your faith in him, the way that you live for him. Right? So we get that. We see that. Paul's saying that is kinda kinda mind blowing. What he's saying is in these secondary issues, these areas of opinion, you can have some freedom. The problem becomes, however, when we can take that to an extreme, and that's happened from the first century on. There have been people who have taken that to say, well, if I can do whatever I want, then there is nothing off the table. Liberty and sin. You see, it's very easy to take your liberty to an extreme. Take it out of bounds. You remember I said the law is fulfilled by the faith. It doesn't mean the law is erased. The law is taken away. There was a group that rose up in the first century called the Antinomians against the law people. Uh, They they thought that as long as you said you believed in God, you could do whatever you want in lifestyle. That's not the case. You see, God, I think, still has in mind for us uh, rules, uh, his commandments, direct teachings of Scripture of the things we should do, the things we shouldn't do. In other words, I think a Christian never has liberty to commit adultery, A Christian never has liberty to be dishonest with others. God means for us to understand his character by the guidelines he sets down. And i even say to you, God doesn't set those guidelines down to to rain on our parade. He doesn't set those guidelines down uh, to make us miserable and constricted. He sets the guidelines down because they're the best way to live. To be a person who is faithful. To be a person who is true and honest. God means for us to live those ways. So we don't go across those boundaries that are set in black and white. But in the areas of gray, we allow for diversity. It's just kind of mind-blowing. You know, I grew up down in the south. In a, um, I, I grew up in a mainline church. So it was, a, it was different for me to go to a non-denominational evangelical church. You see, uh, the mainline churches changed a little bit before But in the South, you grew up, even in my age, it was kind of in the culture. There were things good Christians didn't do. Good Christians didn't drink. Good Christians didn't smoke. And good Christians didn't dance. Anybody heard those? Anybody had those taught to you? Right? Depending on the background you grew up in. Now, I want to ask you, where book, chapter, and verse in Scripture can you find any of those teachings? Uh, You can't find them. But they were assumed that that's what we, supposed to, that was what we were supposed to do as Christians. What Paul's saying here is uh, that's not true if it's not clearly addressed in Scripture. Now, understand me. I think we need to look at the principles in, in each issue and figure it out. For example, let's take drinking. Drinking, as you read the New Testament, it kind of is a conflicting story. Paul says in one place, a little wine is good for the stomach. Why? They didn't have the systems of water purification that we have now. And fermentation actually purifies liquid, in a sense. It's why, you remember in the old westerns, they'd pour alcohol on, on things that were, so they wouldn't get infected. A little wine is good for the stomach, but Scripture never says do not drink. But it does clearly say, do not get drunk. Do not let that alcohol take so much in that it changes who you are, that it, it overrides your conscience, that it overrides and, and makes you somebody different. Don't get drunk, it says. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So you take all that and understand this. A Christian today could believe that it's fine for me Uh, to have a drink. I don't think a Christian could believe, no matter what your tolerance, it's it's fine for me to have a 12-pack. Right? Or a Christian can believe within their liberty they can choose not to drink at all. All of those are acceptable as long as we don't cross that line of becoming drunk. And though principle, you can expand it in all different kinds of areas. How Christians worship. We have different opinions about what music should play, what songs should be played. All of those different opinions, there is freedom to have different opinions there. There is freedom as long as we remember the other principles. See, uh, what happens so oftentimes, why people don't want to hear about freedom is this. We can misuse that Christian liberty. It may lead people into sin, our exercise of liberty may hurt other believers. So Paul gives us a second principle. It is the principle of conscience. It's the principle of conscience. What do I mean by that? Verse 14, but if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. That is, if their opinion in this secondary issue is that it's not to do, then they shouldn't do it. Verse 23, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith. That is, if they haven't, if they're not settled about it, if they have what I call a check in their spirit, that their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Listen, God. I think the way God develops our conscience is we learn, we read, we know His truth, we know what's in His Word, and He fills each believer with the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit to fill us and to lead us. Together, the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's Word work together to inform our conscience. And everybody's conscience is different as I'm talking about these things. Everybody develops different opinions about these things. And it's vital for us to to grow and develop our conscience so that we don't do things as we make our own decisions, we develop our own conscience, we don't do things that cause us trouble or cause us to hurt others around us, cause us to lead others to stumble. Very important for us to do this because we are social creatures. Uh, Some of us, we have this strong need to please people. We often have this misconception that peer pressure just affects people their elementary and their teenage years. But I would argue that peer pressure Is real for people all the way up to the senior age level. It's important for us to understand we can be tempted to go along with the crowd. We can be tempted to do things that we think aren't so good because everybody says it's okay. It's vital for us to develop our conscience and don't violate. Don't violate your conscience. That is, develop your opinions about things and then. Stick to that. In those gray areas, it is fine to have a conviction. In fact, it's important for you to have a conviction. <clears throat> Let me give you a couple of illustrations that make this uh, maybe come to, to light for you. The, the first is this. I, I already talked to you about alcohol. I don't think there would be anything wrong with me taking uh, an alcoholic drink and, and consuming it. However my conscience as I prayed about this and the leadership role that I'm in and the witness that I have, I choose not to drink alcohol. Even though I don't think it's wrong according to scripture, I choose not because it potentially could lead others to stumble. Why? Uh, Because uh, those of you who know me, I I like to have a good time. And I can be kind of wild and crazy, completely sober. (laughs) But if I have a drink, And then in Wild and Crazy, people could think that's because he's drunk. Thereby, I think, causing a disrespect to the Jesus, my Lord and Savior, that I love. So that's my choice. That's my conviction. I don't violate that. But do I look down on you if you choose to drink? No, as long as you don't have a 12-pack, right? You get it? I will tell you also, uh, when I was back at Atlanta Christian College, it's now called Point University, it's about 25 miles from my house, I used to drive back and forth commuting every day, and I got in the habit of listening to talk radio. Now I'm not going to tell you who I listen to. They're all really the same in my mind now. But I listen to talk radio. And you know, I found myself getting more negative, more cynical, more angry, because whichever one you listen to, they're mad about the other side, right? Or about anybody who doesn't believe like them, right? And, and I found myself getting to a, 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 be a person I didn't like. That is, I'd violated my conscience. I Instead of doing like Philippians 4 says, to fill my minds with with things that are good and true and trustworthy, excellent and praiseworthy, and instead i had in my environment things that that led me to a place of negativity and so i stopped cold turkey i gave it up It's vital for us to understand that our character is a developmental process and everything we see everything we hear everybody we're around has an influence on a character here's a good test of your character can you live up to your christian convictions without a violating your conscience, and B, judging those who differ with you. See, a problem with listening to talk radio is it develops that kind of uh, where you disagree. If anybody disagrees with you, they are wrong. They're the enemy. Many people stumble at this point because they say, if it's wrong for me, it must be wrong for everyone around me. That's not necessarily true. For instance, the 12-step program that teaches alcoholic, recovering alcoholics say they must never take a drink again. Why? For them, it's an addiction, it's a disease. One drink almost always leads to many, so they draw the line at none. But that does not mean you can't take a drink. So if we think about this, and then remember the very heart of this passage is about verses 15 to 19, The third principle is, a third principle of Christian mediation is peace, is peace. Verses 15 through 19, if your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, the church should be full of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Remember, our tendency is to follow rules to please God. What he's saying here is living with righteousness and joy and peace, that makes God happy. Therefore, let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. What I think he's saying is, in these, area, these secondary areas, these areas where Scripture doesn't uh, clearly address, let us make every effort to be peaceful, to get along, to, to live together in harmony, to mutually edify one another. You know, Stephen Covey calls that having win-win situations. What I find so oftentimes is in human relationships, the flesh compels us to a zero-sum game. The flesh compels us to have a winner and a loser in every relationship, in every interaction. If we differ about something, somebody's going to be right and somebody's going to be wrong. Somebody's going to be the winner and somebody's going to be the loser. Instead, would it be such that we would value that relationship where we allow both parties to win? Both parties to live in their own conviction. I remind you again of the words of St. Augustine, in essentials, unity. In opinions, diversity. In all things, love. If we embrace, if we live with the love of Christ, even in our conflicts, we can find a middle place. Maybe it is disagreeing or agreeing to disagree. Maybe it is coming to a, a place in the middle about that area, but it's vital for us to seek peace. I have this question for you. How much is your freedom worth to you? Would your freedom be worth so much to you that you had a negative impact on another person's spiritual growth, that you became a stumbling block? Is your freedom, the things that you do, so important to you that that you might destroy somebody's faith? Paul says all of those things in this passage that if your behavior is a stumbling block, if if a brother may be grieved, if your behavior may cause him to fall away from God, then your, your exercise of your freedom is negative and not pleasing to God. We surrender our freedom in the sense, in areas of disagreement, to the point where Using and doing whatever we want doesn't bring a negative effect on others, on the body. Leading me to my fourth principle I see in this passage, silence, silence. Verse 22 says, so whatever you believe about these things, these secondary issues, keep between yourself and God. (laughs) Hey, I don't know if Paul anticipated the age of Facebook, right? Right? I mean, now you got more emojis to use when somebody writes something or posts something, and you can put your little happy face, your quizzical face, or whatever, right? It's uh it's important for us to hear whatever you believe. Keep to yourself, right? What's that what was the verse go on to say? Blessed is the man who does not condemn himself by what he approves. I would encourage you strongly to. Hold your own convictions. Develop opinions in these secondary issues for yourself, the way that you're going to live. Uh, develop convictions so you live healthily before God, so you live your life to please God. But don't think you have to make everybody agree with your particular opinion. You don't have to tell everybody everything that you think you know. Vital for us to hear that. Hold your convictions and hold your tongue. Japanese parents use this as a parenting technique, according to Robert Leitner. When their, their uh, child is having problems with a classmate or playmate, they will get, have them bring out a pillow like this one. And they'll have them first put their, their hand on top and repeat after the parent. The, the parent says, there are four choices here uh, for us to resolve this the first is that you say son I am right and my friend is wrong I'm on top and they're wrong and then they leave a silence or another possibility is <clears throat> that I am wrong and my friend is right silence or I am partly wrong, and my friend is partly wrong. Silence. Or, as they move their hand to the right side of the pillow, I am partly right, and my friend is partly right. You hear the distinction? I think when we get to heaven, some of us will be dismayed to figure out we didn't know it all we didn't have the right opinions about everything some we got right some we got wrong maybe because of our background our cultural difference and we're gonna figure out some of those other people that we disagree with they had some things right and we were wrong you see it is so important for us to get that your relationship with Jesus means seeking to live with his balance of humility Of grace of truth and of love as we interact with other others might we be peacemakers for blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the sons and the daughters of God father as we think about these things today maybe you've been speaking words of conviction to us maybe we've heard Areas in which we have been dogmatic about opinions. Maybe we don't like the way others in our family or around us worship the songs they listen to, the movies they watch. Maybe they don't like the ones we do. Help us remember what's most important. Living to please Jesus. Living and growing in a Christ-like lifestyle. And help us to keep these principles in mind. The principle of liberty. The principle of conscience. The principle of peace. The principle of silence. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.